God, uh, we're here. We came to church to experience you, to hear from you. We just ask you to use me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tradition, according to the dictionary, is a passage or change from one state to another. A passage or change from one state to another. I remember the first time I was affected by someone's transition. I know it was not my own transition. It was somebody else's, but I was still affected. It was January 13, 1999. I was an immature sophomore, a last year at university, working at the records office, dreaming to have the best job in the world, playing basketball in the NBA. I know that's an oxymoron, you know, job, playing, but if you get paid, technically it's a job. So that was my dream when I was a sophomore in college. Um, I just grew up playing basketball. I grew up watching basketball. I grew up talking about basketball. If you were, if you were to go into my room, you would see posters of different basketball players. I grew up watching Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, David Robinson. I know I'm talking about some old school players, but, uh, you know, I just, I just love watching these guys. My favorite player, all-time favorite player, Michael Jordan. MJ, Michael Air Jordan. I mean, he was my hero. He was everything to me. I had his jersey. I had T-shirts. Again, I had posters all over my bedroom. I even spent an entire summer washing cars, mowing lawns, doing favors for my sister so I could pay $130 for the new Nike Air Jordans. I was 11 years old, and I was paying $130 for a pair of shoes. What was I thinking? I could have gone to Paylor's or Ross and Marshall and just buy like 20 pairs. I just could have come to church here at the community service for free. <laughs> I work an entire summer. Anyways, I uh, just love Michael Jordan. My friends and I would just gather outside my house. We had a rim. We would play basketball. We would try to imitate Jordan's moves. We would dribble and we like, ah. We would shoot. Once in a while, we would lower the rim and we would dream that we were Michael Jordan and we were like, stand ourselves, you know, stick our tongues out and take pictures and see how close we came to be like our hero, Michael Jordan. People thought we were sponsored by Nike. Everything we wore was Nike. <laughs> In fact, they would make fun of us, but to us it was a compliment. They call us mini Jordans. Again, they were making fun of us, but to us it was a compliment because we wanted to be like Mike. He was our hero. He was everything to us. But everything changed. January 13 of 1999, after winning five MVPs and six championships with the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan decided to announce in front of 800 reporters that he was transitioning, that he was moving on from basketball into something else. When I heard the news, I thought I was going to die. 
I was heartbroken. I didn't eat for a week. I couldn't sleep. I didn't do my homework. I was just so depressed. Life without Michael Jordan. Impossible. Watching a basketball game without number three. Impossible. The NBA without Michael Jordan. How are we going to survive? As I tell you my story, I'm sure you're thinking of us, your own story. You have stories about how somebody else's transition, or maybe your own transition, affected your life. It's possible you're thinking that when you were maybe eight years old and you found the girl of your dreams, or the boy of your dreams, and you thought you were going to marry her or him, and then a day later he comes or she comes and says, you know, can we just be friends? I mean, you were heartbroken. You know, it's a transition, you know, early transition, but maybe you were affected. Maybe you're thinking about transition when you graduated from college, and suddenly you got to work. I mean, the real world, you got to pay bills. You can't just apply for a loan, a staffer loan, a Perkins loan. No, you got to work. You got to be responsible. That means you can't sleep all day at the dorm skip classes, you got to have deadlines, you can't be at three in the morning hanging out at IHOP with your friends, transitions, some of them are hard, I had a hard time, it was difficult, from college to the real world, I'm sure some of you are thinking in, in a more serious note about transitions in relationships, a divorce maybe, Sickness in the family, death, maybe retirement. A couple years ago, I spoke to a, 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 somebody who worked in the field of education. After 42 years of working for school, he retired. He thought he was going to be happy, not dealing with kids, but he missed it. He had a hard time transitioning into retirement. Transitioning could be difficult, could be hard, could be chaotic, could be difficult. It's possible you're thinking about transitions that have affected you, like when your friend moved move away, when your co-worker got another job, or maybe when your senior pastor was called to minister somewhere else. See, the Bible is full of stories of people who transitioned. And people who were affected by transitions. The pastors in this church believe that if we spend some time within the next several weeks, maybe we can learn something about transitioning as we go through the changes of leadership in this community. I personally decided to concentrate on the story of Moses. Moses is one of my favorite. He's, uh, after Michael Jordan, I had a poster of Moses in my bedroom. <laughs> Just kidding. They don't sell him at the ABC. Don't be looking at the ABC looking for that posters. No, but Moses was one of my heroes. He, I, I just love Moses. He, he was a fun guy. And, I, you know, I just, I just love hearing the stories. But that's the reason I just want to spend some time. You know, we all know about Moses. They made a movie, cartoons. Um, in fact, in the Jewish community, he's considered one of the greatest leaders. In fact, the greatest prophet ever. When he died... In the book of Deut Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 34, verse 10 to 12, 
whoever wrote this part of the Bible decided to honor their leader Moses by writing, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty powers or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Pretty much what they're saying is that Moses was their leader. He was the greatest. You know, it's kind of funny that, that when you die, you become a legend. When you move on, when you transition, suddenly people miss you and appreciate you. You know, all these artists that we honor, all these painters, sculptors, you know, in their time, nobody cared about them. The same thing happened to Moses. When he first came into the picture, you remember in the book of Exodus, he first came into the picture, you know, I don't know if he flew in, he just arrived into the international airport in Egypt, he got in, nobody welcomed him, nobody was excited by him, nobody threw a party. In fact, the Israelites, his brothers, his sisters, they were not happy that he was there. They gave him a hard time, they didn't respect him, even though he said God had sent him to deliver them, to take him to a new place, people did not respect. Moses. I'm sure they were looking at his qualifications, you know, not enough experience. You know, he was a shepherd, working the desert, uh, cooking McDonald's, you know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was an assistant. He was never in charge. He was never a leader. He was just not qualified to be a leader. So they wrestled with him. They fought with him. But eventually, they realized, you know the story, God was using Moses to deliver them from Pharaoh. If you read the book of Exodus, you're going to find out that eventually they left Egypt, they move on to the desert, they continue to spend life together. I'm sure they had worship, they had Bible studies, they had vespers, they went camping. Well, they live camping, you know. Um, I'm sure they played softball together, they had all these great, you know, events. And one day, the Bible says, chapter 32, the book of Exodus, the Bible says that Moses decided to take a vacation. He decided to take a few weeks off and spend some time with God. He, he, he went on a hike, and, and he just didn't come back for a couple weeks. The people were so used to having a leader, so used to having Moses, that they panicked. They were like, what's going on? You know, chapter 32, you read it. You're going to find out that they called the church board, and, and they're like, you got to do something about it. Then they called the assistant pastors. And, and the Bible says, this is what it says. I'm quoting the Bible. It says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, the assistant pastor, and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. We need a leader. We need somebody who will guide us, somebody who will take us to the promised land. These guys said that he was going to commit to us, he was going to be with us, and he's on a vacation. Now, I can relate to that. A couple weeks ago, we, we spent some time camping a dead valley. Um, and even though, you know, there was just a few of us, 130, 140, um, when it came to Saturday's activity, we decided that all of us were going to drive around the park. That is a national park. It's huge. You know, it's, it's a pretty big place. And we decided to drive together and follow our leader, Raul. Now, Raul's a nice guy. He was well organized. 
But when you have like 20,000 cars following him, someone's going to get lost. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't know if somebody went to the restroom, but, you know, we decided to follow other cars. Eventually, we got lost. The situation was chaotic. We thought we were going to die in the desert. It was crazy. I personally didn't think I was going to come back to this church. So I can't relate to these guys. No leader. What's going to happen to them? They lose their identity. I don't know if you get this story. This story didn't happen 100 years ago. It's happening now in our lives. This story is not just the story of the Israelites. It's the story of Kalimesa. As we go through this transition of losing our senior pastor. You see, if you go back to the story, you're going to find out that eventually Moses came back. They got in trouble. They were doing bad things. Anyways, you know, they, they were able to work out and, you know, they just spent more time. They were having a blast. Years went on, and suddenly something happened. Deuteronomy chapter 32 tells us that God appeared to Moses and told him, Moses, time's up. It's time for you to transition. It's time for you to move on. It's time for you to hang the jersey. We're going to retire your number. You have to move on. It was hard for Moses. I can only imagine Moses meeting with the associate pastors at the Starbucks, you know, by the desert, you know, and just, just telling them, breaking them the news that God had told them that it was time to move on. I can only imagine Moses going back to the church board and, and telling them, you know what, God is telling me that I have to transition, that this is it for me. I can only imagine Moses just appearing in, in, on a Sabbath worship and telling them, Guys, this is my last sermon. God told me that I got to move on. I'm sure they had a farewell party. I'm sure they gave him some gifts that he was not going to use in his transition. And then we go to the story. The passage of the Bible where I want to concentrate in the next few minutes. The last minutes together, this is where I want to draw the lesson from. Deuteronomy chapter 34 Verse 1 to 9. After the farewell, after the last sermon, after saying goodbye to everyone, after meeting with the visionary committee, associate pastors, this is what happened. Verse 1, it says that Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the tops of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Nephthali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Soar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross into it. The Bible says that Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab, 
30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. As I studied this story this week, I learned three things. And I'm guessing you probably know the things I'm going to tell you. Maybe it's just a review, a reminder. But this is what I learned as I read this story. First thing, transitions affect all of us in the community. You know, when Moses died, his family were not the only ones crying. His co-workers were not the only ones sad. The board, the leaders, the elders. The Bible says in verse 8 that Israelites grieved for Moses, referring to the entire nation. The whole crowd just gathered together and they grieved, they cried, they were affected, they were hurt. Moses was moving on, but yet, all of them were being affected. I remember when Pastor Chris gave the announcement. She said, my family and I have made this decision. And as she talked about her decision, I realized that her family, we're not the only ones affected. All of us as a church, all of us as a community, we're sad to see her go. After four years of ministering to us, getting used to her sermons and, and learning about her leadership skills, we were hurt. We were sad. We were all affected. Transitions affect all of us in our community. And I know as, an Amer- as Americans, we always, you know, talk about independence. We always, uh, you know, appreciate and value that, that, you know, anything we do is just affect us. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Christianity, we're a big family. We're a church. We're a community that lives together. So whatever happens to you affects me. Whatever happens to me affects you. We're in this together. So transitions affect all of us in our community. When Paul is trying to describe to the Corinthians, to, to this church, what, what, what a church should be, you know, he uses the example of the body. He's like, you know what, we, the church is like the body. You know, there's a lot of organs, and, but yet there's still one body. And then he says something very profound in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 26. He says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So if something happens in your life, I'm affected. If you lose your job, I'm affected. If somebody dies in your family, I'm affected. We are affected. If you go through sickness, we are affected. Something good happens, all of us rejoice too because we can share. Transitions affect all of us in our community. Second thing I learned from this story is the leadership is temporary. You know, I, I always thought that Michael Jordan was going to play until he was 90, 100 years old. He was that great. I thought he was eternal, but he had to retire. Any organization knows, any community knows that eventually their leader will move on. But sometimes we're in denial. 
leadership is temporary. In fact, in verse 8, you know, when they're talking about how Moses died and people are grieving and they're crying and for 30 days they don't want to get up, they don't want to turn on the TV, they don't want to play, they don't want to do anything, then something happens. Verse 9, it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hand on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. What the story is telling us is that somebody came, did the job. You read the book of Joshua, you're going to find out he did an awesome job. Eventually he moved on. Somebody else came in, move on, came in, move on, because leadership is temporary. I know all of us wish our senior pastors would stay for 10, 20 years. And I know that's a question everybody's asking the search committee. Can you make sure that the pastor who comes stays here at least for the next 50 years? <laughs> but we got to be honest. Leadership is temporary. And so we got to get used to it. People coming and going. Notice, there's something here interesting. The Bible says in verse 6 that when Moses died, the Lord buried him. And in fact, because the Lord buried him, there was no funeral, no, no one went to Montecito and made arrangements. The Bible says that to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Most commentaries and most theologians will suggest to you that this is, God did this so people would not fall into idolatry, that people would not worship Moses, that they would not build a church and just kind of build a community around Moses. And that could be true. But what I learned is that maybe God is teaching them that they can't be stuck in the past. Sure, they can appreciate Moses. Sure, they can talk about the good times, the bad times. Sure, they can talk about his sermons. Sure, they can talk about all those moments they spent together. But eventually, they will have to move on. They were in the border, close to the promised land. They couldn't stay in the past. They couldn't stay in the desert. They could not be distracted from their mission. So what I learned is that even though leadership is temporary, we have to remember not just to hold on to the past. Paul writes in his letters to the Philippians, you know, this is, this is par- probably his personal counsel, and it's, it's a good counsel, it's a good philosophy. He's saying, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Not that we don't appreciate our leaders, not that we don't appreciate what happened in the past, but we have a mission as a community, as a church. We have things to do. And if we stay in the desert, if we continue to grieve for more than the right amount of time, we could we can miss out. So Paul's idea about pressing on, putting things behind and pressing on, is not a bad thing for us here at Calamessa. Leadership is temporary, so we can't just hold on to the past. The last thing that I learned from this story, and I want to share with you this morning, is something that is, I think, the coolest thing in the story. God, it's always present through the changes that occur 
in the community. I don't know if you notice, but throughout the story, even though Moses coming in, the associate pastor takes over, they have a nomination, then Joshua comes in, they're presented as the senior pastor, then he quits and somebody else comes in. Throughout the story, throughout the Bible, God is present. God is part of the picture. In fact, Moses, before he died, he gave this counsel in chapter 31, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. He's speaking to his congregation, might be his last sermon, and he says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, referring to his enemies, to the challenges that they face in the future. He's saying, Do not be afraid or terrified, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Kalimensa, this message is for us this morning. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then in the same chapter, he turns around and looks at the new senior pastor, Joshua, and he says this in verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You're God's people. He uses human leaders, but he's still in charge of your church of our church. God is still present to the transitions that are occurring in your life, personal, business, professionally, spiritually. God is always present through the changes. No wonder when, when Moses met God and asked him, uh, you know what, God, I know you're God, but when people ask me what's your name, what should I tell them? And rather than God giving them an ID or a passport, social security number, God said to Moses, I am, in present tense, I am who I am. I will be with you. I will continue to be with you. It's not that I was with you the early stages of your life. No, present tense, I am. I'm always with you. God is always present through the changes. See, I don't know what's going on in your personal life, but I know what's going on in our church. And I know it's transitions could be difficult, but we can look in the Bible and find a bunch of stories of how people survive transitions. I want to quote Paul. We think it was Paul who wrote this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He says something that I think all of us should remember. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Because God is always there. He's present. He will continue to be there no matter what happens. God, as we grieve the loss of one of our leaders, we pray that you will help us through this transition, just like you've been helping us for centuries. You love your church. You love your people. So please, remind us of this. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.